Good morning, church. Mm. Welcome. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Um, this morning, I uh, there was a sense of rejoicing Amen. as I was getting ready this morning, as I was talking to the Perry family this morning. I just feel super thankful about summertime in Erie. That's what's on my heart today. That's what I was that's what I was talking to the Lord about this morning while I was in the mirror, you know, doing this. Um, I just was so thankful. It's been such a beautiful summer. And I was talking to the Lord this morning. I was like, you know what, Lord, when things are rough, when things are hard, somehow it's just easier when it's sunny out. When the sky isn't gray. Like I feel the sun and I love to feel the heat mostly because I have a pool, so I can just jump in. Um, I wouldn't love it maybe so much uh, if I didn't have that, but uh, praising God for that too. But somehow I feel the sun, and it's like I just know that you're with me. Amen. And what's so awesome is as soon as I said it, um, he showed me, I've only been in a plane maybe a handful of times, but that's the picture that came right to my mind, is that when, the, when there is clouds, or just total cloud cover, and it's completely gray below, when you're in an airplane, you're above, yeah. and it is always sunny up there. So his presence is always with us. Amen. He's always with us. Amen. So I was just praising the Lord today Amen. for summer and sunshine and eerie, and just for his continual, constant presence. Amen. Well, stand with me this morning. We're going to do our call to worship to get us ready, preparing our hearts uh, for what God has in store for us. And I just want to be rejoicing today. Amen rejoicing. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So the matter of the situation in our life, the matter of that cloud cover that might be there, he is faithful. He is good. He is the sun is shining, literal sun and the sun, Jesus Christ is shining, Father, and so amazing. So amazing. Let's I'm going to read this out of Psalm 136. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercies endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. And oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. Father, we worship You today. Jesus, we worship You today. Have your way in this place. We yield to you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we can rejoice and be glad for who you are, no matter our circumstance. And as we focus our eyes on you, everything else becomes smaller. Everything else begins to fade. So we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to come to the table of communion this morning. Um, when I release you, you're going to move from your seats down to the aisles, um, and you're going to come down to, and um, take the elements and then circle back around to your seats and hold on to those elements because we're going to partake of them together. Um, it's two cups. If you're a guest, if this is your first time, it is a two-cup system, which means it's stacked. There's a little cup with your um, with the bread in the bottom, and then the juice is stacked on top, so it's just like one pickup. And the gluten-free is on the middle, the little middle plate. So if you're gluten-free, there is, um, there's that for you. I want to read out of Psalms 81. If you're reading along with the church, as a church, we have a reading plan for the year. This is what I read this morning. 
Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. When I read that this morning, I, I had a little bit of a quaking and a shaking inside. And I said, Lord, open my ears and my eyes, God. Let my heart only look to you. When my enemies surround me, what enemies are you facing today? Discouragement? bills that you can't pay, a marriage that's in trouble, lack of joy, lack of purpose. What enemies are you facing today and how long have you been trying to come up with strategies and systems? I'm just talking to myself. Strategies and systems to try to make it better. And, I, and I, we braid in a little bit of Jesus. Well, if I read my Bible more, if I come to church more, if I, well, maybe I need to do this or maybe I, I need to do that. And this morning I said, Lord, do not give me over to my own heart and let it not be stubborn. God, do not let me walk in my own counsel. God, that my heart would listen only to you, that I would walk in your ways. Father, subdue my enemies and turn your hand against my adversaries. Boy, this morning I had some church before church. I had some church before church. I want to open my mouth wide and have him fill it because he is my God. He is my God. And after I read that later on, I was rejoicing in the summer and I was rejoicing in, in, in all that the Lord has done. And I just heard in my heart, tear down the high places. And church, it wasn't just for me, it's just for us. Tear down the high places. And I said, Lord, show me the high places. Show me the high places. And this morning when the words wouldn't work, because we always have the words up and they wouldn't work. I always see those things as an opportunity to make it more about Jesus, to make it more about Jesus. If we do a song I don't like, that's an opportunity for me to make it more about Jesus. It's true. We, we, were, we were in a church that we loved like 20 years ago, but boy, they sang hymns from dead people hundreds of years ago. They weren't the hymns we know and love, right? They weren't familiar hymns. They were old but I learned how to worship in that church like I have never worshiped before because it had to be about him. And I was desperate for him. I had to learn how to worship even when I didn't know the words and didn't like the song. So tearing down the high places in my life so often means me. It means self. It means I'm looking to my own fill in the blank. It's all the self things. So church this morning, as we come to the table I just want to put that in front of us. He is our God. He has made the way, and we will walk in it. And we will receive today his admonishment. We will receive today his counsel as we partake of communion together. So be dismissed to come down and take your elements, and Pastor Andy's going to come back up, and he's going to lead us in communion together this morning.
Hallelujah. I was seeking the Lord uh, for what he wanted me to share uh, this week and um, for communion. And uh, as always, I, I was trying to think of something. And Yesterday, the Lord's like, I'll just tell you tomorrow. I said, okay. I'm like, great. All right. So this morning around uh, 8.30, the Lord started talking to me about it. And um, he started talking to me about joy. And he's like, what are you putting your joy in? And I was like, well, probably a lot of different things. And I realized it's not always him. And he wants to be our everything. You know, I'll probably read in, uh, John 15. You know, abide in me, that your joy may be full. Obey my commands, that, your joy may, that my joy may remain in you. In fact, let me just read it. John 15, verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. His joy, that his joy may be in us that our joy may be full. And that word full, it, I looked it up, it literally means to make replete, literally to cram a net. So like to fill it up packed full, to level up a hollow, to fill it up full, to furnish, to satisfy, to finish. He wants your joy to be full. And um, he wants our joy to be in him. He told Abraham in Genesis 15, I am your exceeding great reward. Do not be afraid. I am your exceeding great reward. Jesus himself is the reward for us in our faith as we follow Jesus. Think about that for a second. The God who created everything, who walked in the garden with Adam and walked to him even after he sinned and loved him. The God who made all the stars, all the planets, all the beauty that you see in nature. He's our reward. And in Hebrews 12, this is what the, the verse that the Lord actually took me to this morning it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. 
And he goes on to talk about the discipline of the Lord, which is so powerful, and I would encourage all of you to read. If you're growing weary and tired from the things that Pastor Liz mentioned earlier, and you're having a struggle in your marriage or in your family, or you're struggling with sin and overly tempted, or you're worried about life and provision, or whatever it is that you're struggling with, and you're worried and you're afraid and it's pulling your joy away and it's pulling your hope away and it's, pu- and it's causing you fear and anxiety and you're wondering how your life's going to turn out and you can't see a plan, whatever it is. The writer of Hebrews tells us, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. If you want to overcome, we have to consider him and that's what communion is. This Passover meal, very shortened version of the Passover meal, is our consideration, a moment for us to consider him as a corporate body. And to remember this, that the joy that was set before him, it was for that joy that Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? The redemption of all mankind to himself. You, each individually, that is his joy. To be one with his creation, with the ones he created in his image, for us to all be one with him in the Father, with the Holy Spirit inside of us. That is his joy. Think about that for a moment. His joy is you. Everybody say, Jesus's joy is me. Reconciled to himself. He rejoices in you. So let us take a moment and consider him. He was captured. He gave himself to the soldiers. He was mocked. He was spit upon. His beard was ripped out. He was beaten, punched in the face, mocked, taken out to be whipped, 39 times with a cat of nine tails, the worst whip you could ever have. He was made to stand, to put a robe on him, mocking him as a king, putting a crown of thorns on his head, blood everywhere, pain, sorrow. He was stripped naked, made to carry his own cross, that he was going to be crucified on. He was nailed to it in his hands and his feet. He was lifted up and dropped into that hole that the cross would sit in. Hanging there, suffering, dry mouth, sun beating on him, choking in his own fluids in his lungs, as he continued to bleed and suffer. And not only all of that pain and suffering, but he was going to be separated from his father for the first time ever. And he was going to literally die and pay for our sins, taking the wrath of God upon himself. Let us consider all of this for a moment. And the way I'm describing it is nothing compared to what it was and what he experienced. Not just a little sin. He took all of sin upon himself. 
And he did it all for us. For the joy set before him. Jesus, thank you for being our joy, for, for considering us your joy. Thank you for enduring everything for us. And that when we consider you and when we focus on you, we find strength. We find peace. Fear has to leave. And our joy can be restored and made full because we abide in you by remaining in you, by focusing on the cross focusing on what you did for us. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. Father, we come to this moment and ask you to cleanse us of all sin and come to you in repentance. Thanking you for your son. And we humble ourselves before you as we can partake of your son's body and blood, Father. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the bread together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us drink together. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you so much. We take this time and this moment to set you as our joy, our exceeding great reward. You are our joy. You are our peace. You are our life, Jesus, and we worship you. We're going to continue to worship with another song, so please feel free to come up to the front if you'd like and pray and worship, and uh, let us make him our, our joy together. this morning. God, we hear you this morning. Father, we turn away from all other things. Most especially, God, we turn away from our own selves this morning, from our own insights, from our own reasoning, our own experience, God. We put our eyes on you. We put our eyes on Jesus this morning. Fill our vision, Father. Jesus this morning. 
Father, I pray that we would not partake of anything that does not come from your hand. Father, open our eyes and show us those high places, those places of pride, God, those places where we are, we are eating the fruits of death and destruction, God, and we don't even know it or we do know it. God, open our eyes to see Jesus rightly. Realign our hearts this morning, God. Realign our hearts this morning. You are our God. And Father, I thank you I thank you that I was the joy set before him. That each one of us was the joy that was set before him. That he endured the cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to close out this time with just a scripture out of Philippians 2. It says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Church, it feels so good to lift him up. It feels so good to come together and magnify him. To realign ourselves to him. To realign ourselves to his love. To let it wash over us. To to bathe ourselves in the truth of his word. I'm so thankful this morning. I came in excited like every Sunday. I'm leaving worship feeling thankful and excited about who he is. We're going to have a time, uh, a little break, where y'all can use the bathroom. You can greet one another. Um, you can say hi to one another, uh, check in on one another. Um, during this time, if you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. We are always excited to worship the Lord here. <laughs> we are always excited to magnify Jesus here, and we are thankful today if this is your first time and you were able to be here with us. On the back of the seat, there is a connection card. It's a place for you to just... Tell us, hey, this is my name, my email, and this is my first time. All we do is send out a a first-time email that hooks you up into our website and and lets you know a little bit about who we are, who we are as a body. Um, That card is also for prayer requests, praise reports, and testimonies. During the break, the offering buckets will be up here. They'll be sitting on the steps. The connection cards can go in there. If you uh, have tithes and offerings this morning, bring them up cheerfully this morning and with intention. um, Intentionally trusting God in every area of our lives, um, including finances. Thank you, Jesus. Um, So there's that. Kids, if you're ECF kids, you know the drill, right? Nursery is open and staffed. That's for kids ages 0 to 3. And our ECF Littles ministry, ages 4, 5, and 6, is also open this morning. Both of those classrooms are out these doors in the lobby, and you take a right and just keep on going. Um, 
Family room is open. That's a place if your kids get a little antsy during service, uh, parents stay with their kids. It's across the way. There's some furniture there. Parents can sit and listen to the service and kids can play and have a little bit more freedom to make some noise. If you are a guest and you have a child with you that is ages seven and up, Kid Corner is this over here in the corner and I have um, special bags with kind of activities that help them to sit, have some fun. My kids always kind of lay on the floor in color while they listen to their dad preach and they're always listening. Man, we go home, they got some insightful things to say. They've got some insightful questions. So church, let's uh, fellowship with one another for a few minutes and then we'll come back together. Okay, good. All right, church family. I have two announcements this morning before Pastor Jason comes up to pray over the offering and get us into the word. Uh, First announcement is missions board. If you don't know, we have a missions board. It is out these double doors and straight across, like you're going to the family room. I mean, straight across. Right before you're literally going to exit the building, Across the way, if you turn to the right, there's a missions board. And it shows you all the different missionaries that we support. When we get a new newsletter and an update on those missionaries, we take down the old one and put up the new one. And I just want to bring your attention to it this morning because you can go and see what you're a part of. Okay? Because when... When we, as a church, support a missionary, it's, it's usually and generally a regular monthly giving, and they count on it, and it, it um, empowers them to do the work of the ministry and to go out and to go to places where I can't go. Um, so you're a part of that, where you can't go right now, or where you're not called to go. So it's, we're a part of the bigger body of Christ, and we're reaching the world right here from Erie, Pennsylvania. So I encourage you, if you have time or when you have time, you can go, you can take down the newsletters and read them and put them back up. Um, That doesn't have to stay as super neat as my awesome daughter made it in the first place. It looks great, um, but it's meant to be used. It's like a charcuterie board. They look beautiful, but they're meant to be messed up and and eaten from. So go and check out the missions board. Um, Second and last announcement is summer nights. So every Friday this summer, bar one, I think, we have been meeting as a church family just for food and fellowship. It's super laid back. It's like a picnic. Um, So you are invited this Friday. We'll be up at the Rose Center. It is rain or shine because we have the ability to go inside if we need to. Um, It's been a great time. The food has been good. This past Friday, we had homemade chili, um, and it was delicious, homemade cornbread. Thank you, Anna, another one of my daughters. Um, So it was delicious. It was fun. The kids run around. It's a time where you can just talk and learn things about people. I've learned some great things about the Greers, and I've really enjoyed spending time with them. They've been sitting behind us forever, and now it's like it took summer nights to have that time and to really have those conversations where you get to know one another. So come on out. We will feed you well. Um, and we will enjoy one another as a church family. All right. Pastor Liz looked at me and said, I feel like there's another announcement. Um, and there is. We just forgot to write it down. Uh, there is going to be a worship night. Uh, the last kind of summer night, which is August 26th, 
Uh, the kids will be just b- back in school. We're going to do a worship night on that uh, Friday night right here in the sanctuary. So I just want to encourage you. F- summer nights will continue after the August 19th. We'll do that one more on August 26th, and it's going to be an actual uh, worship night here in the sanctuary on that last day. So, okay, guys. So many testimonies. Oh my gosh, so many things God is doing and moving in our midst. And I'm just so excited. We've had uh, Reverend Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall here two of the last three weeks. They were praying for people. There's been healings happening. And God has just been really moving and working in our midst. So give him a hand because we just thank you, Lord, for how good Jesus is. Amen. And I have another testimony, a praise report I want to share this morning. Um, and so this person didn't know this was happening, uh, but Janet came up to me before the service and said, during our time of prayer, during our time of seeking the Lord, we felt like the Lord said, when we write out our tithe check, that on the tithe check in the memo, we should write ECF Church Debt Free. F-R-E-E in capital letters. She said F-R-E in capital letters. Now, I'm not saying we're debt-free yet, so I don't hold the applause for that one when that happens because it's going to be amazing. But what she didn't know, and if you are aware and you take a look in the sanctuary, we have taken down another square of our debt. So give the Lord a hand, clap for that. And this, so each of these blocks are worth $25,000 of debt that we owe to the bank, and we are praying and believing in Jesus' name that this campus is completely paid for. And the exciting thing about this one is it moves us from seven digits to six digits. So we are now officially below a million dollars. We're in the $900,000 range, and we're believing that God is going to pay that debt off faster than we think or can imagine, because that's the good God that we serve. And in about, I think it was less than four years ago, the Lord told us that make this a focus, talk about it, not a lot, but just make sure the church knows where the debt is and and make it kind of a, a point periodically. And since that time, we have paid off almost $300,000 of debt. So God has just been so good. He is so faithful. Amen. You can give one more hand. We'll just keep clapping all morning here. So I just wanted to, so thank you to those who are partnering with us. And what we do is we've committed to pay minimum $5,000 a month above and beyond our mortgage payment to principal. That was our kind of a leadership commitment that we had prayed about. The elders prayed about that. That's what we want to go do. And so if you want to support that or really help towards that, uh, on the offering envelope, it's, we always say that this, that kind of giving is above and beyond your tithes and offerings. So the second line on the offering envelope uh, says building fund. And so if you ever want to give specifically to that, uh, you can do that. And what I've noticed or what I've heard, some people have made a commitment to say, when the Lord does this, I will do this. And that's okay to do. So when the Lord blesses you with this or with that, that I am going to go give to that campaign to really see that debt paid off. So you don't have to tell me about it. That's between you and the Lord. So you just go make that happen when the Lord says to do it. Because how many of you know, when we obey what the Lord says to go do, there is blessing in it. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. All right, I have a scripture here this morning for offering, and I'll pray about it out of 1 Corinthians 3, and this is in verse, this is verse 6. It says, I planted, this is Paul talking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Church, 
God gives the increase. God does the hard work. Think about that. You plant a seed, you know, you put some water on it, but guess who does the actual growing? Guess who actually makes it grow? Not me, not you, nobody but him. Nobody but God. He is the one who actually makes it grow. He is the one who makes the increase, not you and I. So we're just here to be faithful to what the Lord has asked us to do and commanded us to do in his word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving this debt mountain in Jesus' name. Father, you say speak to the mountain and it will move. So, Father, we thank you that the word for this church is that we will be debt-free quicker than we thought or imagined. So we hold on and we hold fast to that, Lord. And we thank you that this campus will be debt-free. It will all be paid for to continue to do the mighty works that you have in store for this church. And so, Father, I just thank you, Father, that you are moving and working in our finances. Lord, every bill is paid in Jesus' name, not just for the church, but for every person here, Father. We just thank you that you are working and moving in that area as we trust in you for it. And, Father, as I just give a message this morning that I believe is from you, Lord, that it will just bless our hearts in your precious, precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Go to Acts uh, chapter 9. And I have a little bit of an intro I'm going to do first. Uh, and then we'll get into, and I have a scripture in Psalms that I'll hit first. But then we'll get into Acts chapter 9. And we're starting a new series Starting a new series uh, this morning called Spiritual Disciplines of Abstinence. Yeah. And all those who are not married are just like, yeah, I get it. And all those who are married are like, wait a second. You know, I thought the Bible says that two have to agree before we... Okay, I'm not talking about the abstinence that everybody thinks of immediately upon saying that word. This is not health class from high school. Okay? Okay. Not health class from high school. But what I'm talking about, and what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, these spiritual disciplines of abstinence, because the Lord commands us, and he shows us in the Bible over and over and over, that we need to be able to restrain ourselves, sometimes from doing what our flesh wants to go do. How many know that, right? Our flesh wants to go this way, and the, and the Spirit, and God is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's saying slow down, he's saying stop, he's saying have a Sabbath, he's saying all these things to us, but in today's culture, in today's world, we just go, we go, 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 we go fast. And if you remember, uh, a couple of months ago, we did spiritual disciplines of action, and we all love the action spiritual disciplines. It was pray, it was worship, it was eat together, it was fellowship together. It was all these things that we saw the early church do that made us excited because we were doing something. But we have to remember that the Lord also calls us to stop. Many times he is calling us to stop even though we want to just keep going forward. What is abstinence? What does it mean? So the definition is, I don't have this up, just listen to it. It's the fact or practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. So the actual act of refraining from doing something that we want to do so badly, that is what abstinence is. It's restraining from something we want to do. And in fact, it seems like it's the absolute opposite of today's society. 
Because today's society is indulge in this, have as much of this, do as much social media as you can, play as many video games as you possibly can get your hands on. Like, that's what the culture says. So do more, do it bigger, do it faster, do more of it, more of it, more of it. And there is a time and a place in our walk and in our spiritual disciplines where there is when we have to do more of praying or whatever, but I just want to focus on the ones that are stopping and doing less of in certain cases because there's a balance of the two. The key verse for this entire series is in Psalm 46, verse 10. You, don't, you can write it down and I'll have it up here on this, and stay in Acts chapter 9 because that's where we'll spend the most of our time. Psalm 46, 10 says this. Be still. Come on, church. Be still and know that I am God. So what the Bible is saying is if we are not still, we can't really know God. You're like, well, you look at my personality. I am... You know, Enneagram 3, I'm type A, I am this and that. I'm just go, 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 go. And but the Lord says specifically, be what? Still. Take a breath. Be still and know that I am God. What Pastor Liz was saying this morning about her time with the Lord. She was being still with the Lord and he revealed something to her. Do you know if she was blasting through her morning and not being still, many times we can't hear the voice of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs that wisdom is crying out at the intersections of our life. It's literally yelling to us. God is yelling wisdom to us at the intersections of our life. And you're like, but I don't don't know what to do, and I'm not sure what to do, and I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And now the Lord is saying, stop. Slow down. Take a breath. Be still, and then know that I am God. It's not know that I am God and then be still. Like, that would be cool. That would be great. Like, okay, I get to know that. And, and sometimes it feels like that does happen, yeah? It feels like that happens at church on Sunday mornings in God's presence. You're just, you're just man, God, you are so good. And you're just like, hmm. And everything kind of gets still. But what this verse is saying is saying, be still first and then know that I am God. This is hard. How many know this? This is difficult. We go so fast that we miss We're never still. You know, I talk to people all the time, and I am as guilty of this as anybody else. You walk up, and probably you all did this during the break, right? You walk up to somebody, hey, how you doing? Mm, I'm doing good, highly blessed favor, but I am busy, right? How many times when someone says, how you doing, you say, I'm good, but I'm busy. I'm good, but I'm busy. It's like it's just our vocabulary. What if you said, how you doing? I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, and I'm being still so I can know my God. Nobody says that. What if we started doing that, though? What if we actually started slowing down in certain things in our life? And it's interesting, the rest of that verse says this. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So being still and knowing that he is God, you will see how he is being exalted in the nations. 
you will begin to see and understand how he is being exalted in all the earth. And then verse 11 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So what he's saying is that when we are still, you will, you will know. You will know that he is with you. When we are going too fast, it's like we don't even recognize or realize what God is doing in our circumstances. We're just blasting through it. And there are things that he's doing and maneuvering. If we would just stop for a second and reflect and remember that God is actually with us. He's with us. He's always with us. It says the Lord of hosts is what? Is with us. If he's always with us, it's really our problem that don't, when we don't realize it. It's our problem that we have some blinders on, or we're too busy, or we're not seeing, or we're not reflecting, or we're not understanding. Why? Most of the time is because we're moving too fast. And we're not stopping. We're not stopping. He is with us. Hallelujah. So these spiritual disciplines of abstinence, I'm going to do one of them here this morning. I have a list of them up here for you. We're going to show the list. You know, as a preacher, you got to make things all kind of coordinate. So, of course, they all start with S. So you'll help to remember these. You can take a picture of the screen if you want. But we're going to walk through these week by week. So there is stopping, which I chose to do first, because it feels like you can't do any of the other ones until you stop. It's like you can't get silence if you didn't stop. You can't spend some time in solitude with the Lord if he didn't stop. You can't slow down if you don't actually stop first. And you can't have any kind of Sabbath or self-restraint, in this case fasting, if you don't actually stop and begin to seek the Lord in these situations. Amen? So these are the spiritual disciplines of abstinence we're going to go through. And I have two examples from my personal life where... And they're funny ones, ones that you'll remember or like at least have experienced maybe in your own life. Before I get into it, we're going to look at the life of Saul when, he, when Jesus really calls on him and what happened in his life. And how many of you have ever been driving in a snowstorm? Yeah, and then you hit the brakes, you're driving pretty quick and you hit the brakes and there is no stopping. All the anti-lock braking systems are trying to do their things, but you are on ice and it does not matter about anything else. This happened to me. I was in college. I was driving on Route 80, right? And I'm just driving, driving, driving. And it's a massive snowstorm. I'm on this old Ford Tempo, I think it was. They probably don't even make those anymore, right? A Ford Tempo. And I'm about to get off the exit. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I made the exit. And I pulled off the exit. I hit the brakes. And there was no, there was no stopping. And you're just going, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 right? And just, and boom, I hit the guardrail and bounced around. I was like, ah. Oh. But you ever sense that feeling, like you're moving so much you cannot stop. It's a terrible feeling, right? It's, no, 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 And you start clenching up, yeah? Because you're moving so fast that the impact is going to be what? It's going to be pretty severe. Because we're going so fast. The next example, which I absolutely love, I'll never forget it. I think I was probably six or seven. We were at a campground. My parents were, I think my sister was in a stroller. She's nine years younger, so I, asked, I guess I was more than six or seven. I must have been nine or ten, because I remember my sister was in a stroller. And we're at the top of a hill. 
And when you're 9 or 10 and you have new sneakers, they make you run faster. Don't they? Right? Like legit new sneakers make you run faster and jump higher. Now, it may all be in your head mentally, but it works. I got new softball cleats this year. Mid-season, I was faster. I could jump higher. It happens. Okay? So I had these new sneakers on. I remember it. And I'm at the top of this hill, and I see my dad down at at the bottom of the hill. I'm like, Dad, watch how fast I can run. And I start running down this hill. And my legs are going so, I'm just, mm, I'm smiling. I'm enjoying the run. I'm going faster and faster and faster. And my face starts going, oh my goodness. My body is going faster than my little legs can keep up. And I'm going faster and faster, right? You've had this feeling, I can't stop. There is no stopping me. And I'm going, going. And my dad, I, could, I wasn't even really looking at his face anymore. But I, because he told me, he's like, his face was like, oh, no, right? And it's like the slow motion where my dad's coming to me, and I'm just going, no, and I dove at the last second. I don't know what possessed me to dive, but I dove like this. My eyes are closed. I'm like, impact. And my dad caught me. He caught me. And isn't that like our Heavenly Father? That even when we are moving so fast and we can't stop ourselves, if we would only just jump and dive into his arms, he will be the one that is there to catch us. Because we have to remember he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So if you're moving too fast and you feel like you can't stop, jump into his arms this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 9. I told you I'd get there. Starting in verse 3, we're going to talk about stopping today. And this word stopping, I want you to think about it not like a stop sign so much, but as, as the word mean, also means to yield. Not just stopping, but to yield. To yield to what the Lord is speaking to you in your life. Acts 9, verse 3. He's talking about Saul before his name became Paul. As he journeyed near and came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And if you notice in this scripture, if you know a little bit of the background of Saul before he became Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and has this radical conversion experience, which is what really this is beginning to talk about, he was a man on the go. He was a religious leader. He was on the go. He was a leader. He was doing. He was moving. He was shaking. He was getting Christians persecuted left and right. He was doing all these things. He was feeling good about himself. And he felt like, hey, this is great. Everything's going well. I'm going to this town now to get more persecution to happen. And what happened? He was stopped. The Lord got his attention. There are many times in our life where the Lord is trying to get our attention. And a lot of times we miss it, and I don't want to miss it anymore. I want to proactively develop a spiritual discipline where I stop on a regular basis so that I don't have to have an experience where God comes 
And he uses a circumstance or a situation and causes me to stop suddenly. You know, we serve an amazing God. He is not a God of destruction or sickness. But I also know that God uses all things together for good. And a lot of times we get stopped because of the world or because of sin or because of whatever the reason is. But God will continue to use that. So he was stopped right there where he was traveling. He was going. He wanted to go and the Lord said, no, you're going to stop. Verse 5. And he said, who are you, Lord? Wow. Who are you, Lord? The power of God present right there in that moment. The very first question that Saul, who became Paul, asked is, who are you, Lord? And I'm encouraging us that we proactively take stops in our life and say that exact sentence. Who are you, Lord? Show me your ways. Show me more of you. When we read the Bible and we search and we look to see who he is and his goodness and his faithfulness, if you don't stop to look and see his faithfulness, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And this question that Paul asks, who are you? He was stopped. He was able to ask the question. If he had never been stopped, if heaven never intervened and Jesus didn't intervene, he would have never asked the question. Now he was stopped. Now he could seek. Now he could begin to ask questions. When you're going so fast, there's no questions to ask. You were just moving. Then the Lord said this. He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Oh, he's having a personal encounter with Jesus. And it says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You're like, what on earth is that? What is a goad? Well, good thing I looked it up for you. Goads were this. They were typically made from slender pieces of timber, blunt on one end and pointed on the other. And farmers, or those who move cattle, use the pointed edge to urge a stubborn ox into motion. Occasionally, the beast would kick at the goad, and the more the ox kicked, the more likely the goad would stab into the flesh of its leg, causing greater pain. And it's interesting that the Lord uses this phrase, why it's hard for you to go kick against the goads. And what this is telling me, is that this was not the first time Jesus was trying to get Paul's attention. He's saying, I keep trying to get your attention, and you just keep, keep kicking back, keep moving on, keep moving forward, keep moving. How many of us in the same category do this? Come on, church, we do it. You're like, God's trying to get our attention. You're just like, get off of me. It's like we're playing a football game, and we got to get to the end zone, right? It's just like, get out of my way, get out of my way. Like, move out of here. What, read the Bible? I don't have time for that. i got to go i got to make it happen. I live in America, for goodness sakes. i got to have a bigger... i got to go, i got to go, i got to go. What will my neighbor think if I'm sitting silently on my porch? Like, what's wrong with that person? You see, this is not the first time Jesus was trying to get Paul's attention. But he tried, and he didn't get Paul's attention. He tried, and he didn't get Paul's attention. And this time, he's getting his attention. 
And I think in our own lives, this spiritual discipline of stopping is so important because if we would stop periodically and check in with the Lord and say, hey, what's going on periodically? Guess what? We can avoid some of the big stops that happen in our life. It doesn't mean you get to avoid all of them, but you get to avoid so many of these stops in our life. So he, verse 6, trembling and astonished, right? I think who would be uh, trembling and astonished when Jesus shows up in a bright light and just says, like, why are you persecuting me, brother? Right? I don't know. I like to say maybe, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to know the tone of voice that was used sometimes in some of the scriptures. Like, I'm always interested, like, how exactly did he say that, you know? What was his body language when it happened? Right? So he saw trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? <gasps> he asked two questions. Who are you? And what do you want me to do? How many times do we, as a church, we, as we're walking with the Lord, need to stop and ask, Lord, just show me more of who you are. And Lord, what do you want me to do? If wisdom is crying out at the intersections, if we would stop, be still, know that he is God, and ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? My experience in the Bible says he will speak to you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Because remember, he's there. So if we would stop and listen for a second, we begin to hear his voice. And when we read his word and when we pray, he begins to lead us and guide us in this. Then the Lord said to him, he gave him instructions. Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul had to stop and then he had to trust and yield to the Lord. He didn't tell me he was going to go in the city and that he was going to get his eyesight back, and that all these other things were going to happen, and that he was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament, and that he was going to be used greatly, and he was going to go to prison, and he was going to get beaten, and chains were going to fall off, and he was going to see healings and miracles, and all the things that Paul's life ended up being, he didn't tell him any of that. None of it. He didn't reveal the entire plan and purpose for Paul's life on the road to Damascus. All he said, all Jesus said to him was, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so Paul had a decision to make, or Saul in this case at that time. Am I going to go do it or am I not? Guys, we all have a decision to make. We have choices to make every day in our lives, in our marriage, in our, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our finance and everywhere. Will you do what the Lord is asking you to go do. Paul had to trust and he had to yield his flesh to the Lord. Verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but he was led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Interesting. Paul yields to the direction of the Lord, but he goes another step further. He says, Lord, I want to know you. I want to understand this. He begins fasting. 
He wasn't told to fast. It didn't say, it just said, go to that city and you'll be told what to do. And he's like, man, I don't have my sight. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to go do? And he began to fast. He was putting his flesh down. He was yielding every bit of his body in order to understand what the call and plan of the Lord was for his life. But he couldn't do that if he was moving too quick. He couldn't do that if he just was blasting through to Damascus and didn't stop. He was there for three days. He neither ate nor drank. So my question to you this morning, do you really want to stop and ask those questions? Yeah, it's hard. And the spiritual discipline doesn't happen overnight. How many know that disciplines don't necessarily happen overnight? It takes weeks, it takes time. They say it takes three to four weeks to establish a habit to do something, which means you have to begin practicing this. You have to begin doing this in your life. You have to begin doing this once a week, once a month, daily. I encourage you to do it multiple times a day. I need to do it multiple times a day. I stop in the morning, but man, after that morning stop is over, it's like, all go, constant. I'm not blasting past things all the time. Blessings. Things God's doing. Things in my life, my children, my wife, my spouse, my friends, my church. I'm just going. And the Lord's just saying to us all, just stop. Just stop trying to do everything on your own. Stop trying to be everything to everybody. Just stop. So we've got these two questions. Who are you and what do you want me to do? Are you willing, church, to do that? Are you willing to stop periodically? Here's what we can, here's what we can learn from this. Here's what happens when we do that. We can look at the rest of Paul's life. When we stop and when we yield, the rest of Paul's story says this. Here's what happens when we do this. Number one, God meets our need. You don't meet it in your own strength. All you're trying, all the strategy, it's all that's good, and you write it down and pro and con list, whatever, but you have to yield it to God. You have to give it to him. This is all great, but I have to give it to him. I have to stop for a second, a minute, an hour. Oh my gosh, an hour. And begin to yield this to the Lord. The second thing we see in Paul's life, the rest of his life, is God then displays his power. When we stop and when we yield, when we stop and when we yield, God meets our need, and he also displays his power. Look at what happened even in that story. Paul got his sight back. He was baptized. God was moving miraculously because Paul was willing to stop and yield. It feels like he didn't have much of a choice in this case. But he could have just kept, I'm, forget it, I'm not, going to, I'm not going the rest of the way. That was wild. That was just a one-time experience. I'm just going to move on. But he went and then he fasted. He went and was like, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going all in on this. I'm going all in. And then we also see in Paul's life that then God uses us greatly. He uses us greatly. And what I've noticed from the story is Paul had to first stop before he could be used greatly. All of us want to be over here. Yeah, come on. 
Our flesh and our desires, our humanness says, I want to be used greatly. Use me, use me. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. More, more, more. And the Lord's saying, stop. Know who I am. Ask me what you want me to do. And then he begins to use people greatly in their lives. So, Sid, if you want to come back up here, I'm going to close with this. In order to be used greatly, we need to learn to stop. We need to begin to develop the spiritual discipline of stopping. God is looking for those who will stop. Wisdom's crying out. Answers to your questions are crying out if we would just stop. Some practical ways, some things that I'm working on in my own life, on times to stop in our life. And I wrote down, you know, pick one, pick a bunch of them. Just do something. Don't leave here this morning and being like, yeah, mm, Pastor Jason, that was a great message. What was it about again? Stop. That's all you got to remember. Stop. Stop. Be still and know that I am God. You have to stop to be still. And to know that he is God. And that he is with you. Some practical ways you can do this. You know, I wrote down uh, morning, noon, and night. Could we just take three times during the day. I'm working on this with you. Okay, I do the morning one okay. But I don't do the noon one well. And at night, I'm like... I don't stop for a minute to reflect what God has done, how faithful he was, how he was with me through the day. Lord, what could I have learned from you during this day? Show me a better way for tomorrow. Morning, noon, and night. Just take a minute to stop. Another way is whenever we lose our peace. If you are anxious if you are worried, if you are concerned, and you know how you feel on the inside. Like, you know what, when you feel peace, you're like, mm, I know this crazy stuff going on around me, and I don't know what's going to happen in this world or in my family or in this or in that or whatever. But when you sense that peace, you know it. And I think too many of us, we walk around, including myself, many days without peace. And in order to resolve not having peace, we just do more. We try harder. We try to do more things, better things, more scriptural things. We try to do all these things to make ourselves feel better. But I'm telling you, any time during the day, the week, the month, where you feel like you've lost peace and you begin to feel anxiety or fear or just something that is not of God, I encourage you, stop. Just stop and ask those same two questions that Paul asks. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? So whenever you lose your peace, and the last way, if you can remember this or write them down, is whenever a situation arises, whatever the situation that arises and you're just like, if you're attuned to the Lord, you say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> stop. Everybody just stop for a second. 
The kid falls down the steps and hits their head. Hmm? Imagine living a life where we're not panicking. And the key to not panicking is to stop and say, Lord, who are you and what do you want me to do in this situation? And you just take a moment. Now, okay, if the kid's head's cracked open, and I get it. You understand what I'm saying. There are situations that arise in our lives where we just need to stop. You know what? Erica Horniman, you taught us this. And we even call it in our family, pulling an Erica. Pulling an Erica. And what pulling an Erica really means is that when a situation happens or a circumstance happens, we just stop and we just begin to pray. She does it all the time. I've seen her do it. We, she did it with us in a meeting. We were talking about something super serious, and I was like, you know what, we got to do And she just started praying. I was like, half offended for a second. It's like, what is she doing? And we realize, oh my gosh, she's taking the situation to God. She's stopping for a moment and she's taking it to God. And so now we pull Erica's, probably not as much as we should. But I encourage you all to do that. When a situation arises, you're just like, you know what, stop, I'm going to pray right now. Don't even say I'm going to pray. Just start praying. Just start praying. Just start doing it. You stop your current course of action, and you just pray. So bow your heads with me this morning. Oh, Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, I just pray that as we leave this place today, that we would not forget to stop. To stop during the day and to ask those questions. Lord, who are you? Show me. Show yourself in this situation. Lord, what do you want me to do? That we would do that morning, noon, and night. And that when we lose our peace, you would teach us to stop. And when a situation arises, that we would just stop and pray. And give it to you immediately. That we would not wait till later in the day, or we would wait weeks from now and put it on a prayer list that we hope to get to some other day. That we would just stop and we would pray. So, Lord, help us in this spiritual discipline. Remind us daily to do this multiple times a day as we grow in this spiritual discipline of stopping. We thank you, Lord. With everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, I just want to ask you a question this morning. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, This is your stop moment. This is the Lord getting your attention this morning. And he's saying, stop. And make a decision today. The Bible says all of us have sinned. And everyone has fallen short 
of the glory of God. And that that sin leads to death. And it leads to destruction unless we accept and receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ by receiving Him as our Savior. By receiving Him in what He did on the cross. His body broken. His blood shed. The price ultimately paid for us because we are His joy. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Just slip your hand up. If you're here and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, this is your stop moment. Okay, everyone here is, you guys can look at me. Everyone's right with the Lord as far as that's concerned. Church, I just encourage you. I encourage you. Encourage you to just stop this week. Stop this afternoon. Take a moment. Take a breath. And we'll get into more of these spiritual disciplines, kind of the, the deep hows of what does silence look like, what does solitude look like, what does that mean? People are like, solitude? Hallelujah, when can I start? <laughs> Away from people. All right, all the introverts are like, what week are you doing that one? Yeah, and all the extroverts are like, eh, how long does it have to be, right? Okay, we'll get into all that stuff in following weeks. But I just encourage you guys, please take time this week to stop, to stop, to stop. Amen? Amen. Let me just read a benediction. I have some prayer teams that are coming up here. If you need prayer for anything in your life, whatever it might be, relationship, healing, a situation that you just want to agree with someone in prayer, there'll be some prayer teams up here. And I just feel led to read, and I don't normally do this, so I'm going to read the same verse that I ended worship with. It says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Do you know you have to stop to bow your knee? You can't be moving forward. I know the kids try to walk real fast on their knees. But us adults, that's hard. And hurts. Every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth, under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Prayer teams will be up here. We'll see you on Friday night, summer nights, 5 p.m.